Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ that we are here to uplift your name, Lord, and partake in your word. Lord, I'm asking that you continue to keep us in good health and perfect peace, Lord, as we go forward with you, going through the process every day of having Christ formed in us. Lord, because you are the hope of glory. It is not our righteousness. It is nothing that we can do, Lord, but you have meant for us to be the light and salt of the earth, that which you have told us in secret, Lord, that we are supposed to shout from the rooftops. So when the watchman sees things, Lord, that come upon the land, Lord, and it's dangers, and there are things that are not right, things that plague the body, things that go after these lost sheep. Lord, I know that we are supposed to proclaim the gospel as you said. Let these things be known so that people have a chance to make the right decisions. Lord, for your kingdom is not of this earth, but it is in heaven. And it would be foolish of us to not store up treasures, Lord, there, because that is the eternal world. That is the existence of all things. And I'm asking, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, confusion, jealousy, malice, hatred. Lord, every spirit of Antichrist, every spirit of rejection, every spirit, Lord, of unbelief, let these things be moved aside. Let your word be clear. Let your Holy Ghost, Lord, fall mightily on this building. Let your words be heard, Lord, and let us not utter things that don't come from you. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, you are just, and you are true. And you are worthy to be praised. And Lord, I'm asking that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so tonight's study is going to be called um, Mammonism instead of Mormonism. Mammonism, the autopsy of a dead church. And I think that this is going to be relevant because... You know, there's a lot of things I'm beginning to see. And, I mean, you know, as far as atmospheres and things like that, um, being in church settings, hearing the way church people speak and the things that we're interested in the most. And I think that because we're following mammon, we have a hard time understanding what the Lord is calling us to do. So, you know, I believe in every situation, no matter where we are, no matter what we do, we have a responsibility first to the body of Christ. Okay, you know, what is our responsibility in these situations whenever we approach them, whenever we deal with them? You know, we have to do God things versus good things. There's nothing wrong with good things, but God things may be on some understanding. Like some people would say, well, God is good. God is great. But the fact of the matter is there are things that the Lord does that we don't understand, you know. And in many cases, we challenge the word of God. Or we think that everything that is a good thing is a God thing. And, you know, a God thing is to obey the Spirit of God and do that which the Lord has told us to do. Because we've all sat under the Word at one point or another and was offended by what we heard. Something that we might have heard that we didn't, we weren't ready to yield to just yet. Where we might have thought, man, I'm, you know, going through the sanctification process and I'm feeling good and, you know... And then you read another scripture and it's like, well, look at how filthy you are here. And, you know, a lot of people can either choose to say, you know what, I need to change that. Or I'll just turn back and live my life and, and avoid that. 
but I'm doing six, seven, and eight right, but I got a problem with five. But I'll just push that aside and still call myself following the word of God. So we got to take the word as a whole, everything it says, everything it means. And there can't be anything more important than God or his word, you know, because I'm getting the understanding that to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, and soul is the only way to walk this thing out. Mm -hmm. Because if not, you're an idolater. Yeah. You know, you will be an idolater to something if God is not your everything. And that's why he says, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and then love your neighbor. Because if you can't love the Lord with your will, with your heart, with your mind, I mean, you will be an idolater. It's that simple. Even watching too much TV, you know, this and that. Following the dough, following your careers. There's nothing wrong with following a career. But let God be responsible in all things. You know, let us be conscious of him. So I want to get started in um, Psalm 73. And then I'm going to give it over to James. He's going to present. And um, Sarah's going to present something too. So, And then we'll get right into the lesson. But, you know, the thirst for money has really taken the church over. The, the thirst for the desires of the things of this world has taken the church over. And the church of God has to remain pure. So we're going to um, go through quite a few things concerning that, you know, extracting ourselves from the world and understanding what it really means to follow the Lord and what he's for and what he's against. Psalm 73, verse 1, truly, good is, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their debts, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. So we understand here, we've gone over this before, but um, Asaph is looking at the wicked. And he's noticing that in society, man, they're just prospering. They are living it up. They're high on the hog. Everything is going well. And, you know, the wickedness came upon him because he's feeling like, you know, I have nothing. You know, so he's kind of grieved a little bit in his heart that the wicked are growing. So he said, the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a, as a garment. Now, you would see this oftentimes. The word violence can be used physically, but it can also mean things that are said, where people are just throwing things out there. One thing you'll find about the world is when they have an issue with God or, or through their ignorance and not understanding God, man, they'll say some stuff. You know, like if you say, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, the world has no fear of God. So they'll say something like, well, maybe he had it coming. And then they'll smirk about it like it's some sort of joke, you know. So this is the violence that's in the hearts of men when they don't understand God. It's like uh, in the scripture of James where it says the tongue is a... Uh, unruly member. That's yeah. right. No, totally. And, you know, it takes the fear of the Lord to control that tongue, oh, yeah. you know, to change your nature. Verse um, 7, uh, their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. So, you know, you might find a lot of times, too, you'll say, you know, well, we need to do something for those who don't have. And their response would be, 
well, hey, this is America. I got mine, get yours. That is the, that's the, you know, well, hey, I, I came up poor too, but you don't see me struggling and this and that. What are you going to say, sir? Like that, that's their mentality. Right. Yeah. You know, they think they really got something going. Verse 9, uh, they set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither and waters of a full of, of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? So, you know, you might want to address them. I, I've gone through this this weekend as well, talking to people down there at the hotel about the Lord. And, you know, you run into some people that travel in and out of town, very prosperous, very successful. And you try and tell them about the Lord. And, and you know, their thing is, well, I'm making it just fine without him. You know, maybe that's your thing, but I understand with me, I don't have to worship like you. And who's to say his knowledge is right? The Bible could have been written by anybody. Who knows? So this is the mentality they have towards the word of God. So this is the question in 11, verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long uh, have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. Now, this is true. You speak God's word. You tell the world about the wickedness that is here. And there's a generation that loves this stuff. You know, you even got people in the churches where you could say anything you want about the world and they'll agree with you. But as soon as you go into Beyonce or Ellen DeGeneres or someone to make an example, they're like, whoa, hold on now. You know, I understood what you were saying before, but now you're talking about Bay. You know, you're talking about one of my heroes here. So, you see, even though they claim to be a certain way, their hearts are still in the world. Yep. All right. Um, so, you know, you'll offend a generation of children. And this is what it's about. And, and I think this is for the most part. I know I probably shouldn't be speaking about this, you know, considering my policies. But I believe this is why in certain places kids will be given things like rap music in school and why they're given, you know, um, video games and things to enjoy themselves because they're trying to soothe the savage beast. They're trying to, all right, I'll pacify you. Never mind this. Let's get into something you enjoy. That's fun to make an example. But in doing so, I'm not saying that doesn't work because we have to be wise, but also if well, what I've noticed in my experience in dealing with kids in a short period is that they go further Kids know no bounds. They know no limits. You know, you give me this, then I want this else, or I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. So we find ourselves yielding to this generation instead of saying, well, hold up. God's word is the truth, you know, and this is where it stands. Yep. So, you know, this is where we become compromising and yielding. And because of this, we try not to offend a generation that has taken us over, that has no regard whatsoever. This is probably the first generation that does not know the God. I'm not, you know, like where his name is just not in any circle. You mentioned Jesus. Who is Jesus? You know, what were you going to say? No, I was thinking, um, that's right, because it's like uh, I was taught, like, if you kid around too much, you will never grow up. So it's like you're feeding that, yeah. that spirit. You know, mm -hmm. you're constantly mm -hmm. uh, uh, suspending like not allowing them to move forward. Mm -hmm. It's like a pro pro like mature. Eventually, you got to grow up. But exactly. you, if you keep feeding feeding that, then a child will 
but not know what to do. That's right. Or where to go. No, it's true. And I mean, that's just it. That's why even a mother bird knows, man, I'm throwing you out of the nest. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to catch you as you try and fly. But, you, you know, fly. eventually you're going to have to fly because yeah. I'm not going to be there. Mm -hmm. It's like a spoiled generation. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. So that's why if you speak of the wicked to this generation or how wicked it is, that's where the um, conflict comes in. Yeah. And it's going back to, you know, just like with Pharaoh and the, the Hebrew boys, or Pharaoh and uh, Moses, where he's like, who is this God? That we should that obey we him. Should, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's true. That's the world. Verse 16. Uh, when I thought to know this, I was too, it was too painful for me. So when you know you're going to offend a generation... And a lot of us will back off from it. And this is what you see the education system doing. Uh, verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Um, surely uh, thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casteth them down into destruction. How art they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. So what we understand here is... Um, you know, now he's understanding in the Lord's sanctuary, Lord, you gave them this abundant life and you let them have it. While it appeared that they were doing good, it was a curse against them. So God is understanding because if you don't have God's correction upon your life, you know, then you are a bastard. You wander going to and fro, living like you want, doing what you want. And to us, it seems like, Lord... I'm on food stamps, man. This guy's making millions of dollars. They don't even believe in you. How come my life is a living hell and your life, their lives are so good? But when he went into the sanctuary, he went into the spirit, he went into that place with the Lord, the Lord revealed to him, these people are bound for destruction. I've tried to minister to them. I've tried to teach them. I've tried to bring them in, but their riches were more than, than me. You know? So um, where am I? Um, that's right. Even the uh, young master, the, the young kid. Um, okay, verse 20. As a dream, uh, one, uh, when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant I was as a beast before thee. Now, we were all beasts before we found Jesus Christ, okay? And, and as we go through sanctification, the Lord, the washing of the water by the word has to get rid of more of that beast in us until we are sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost. Verse 23, nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward receive me to my, I mean, uh, to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. So again, loving the Lord, you know, you got to understand who have I beside you. When we have an understanding that this world is not for you, even for those that are in love with the world, this world is not for you. This world is to push you away from Jesus Christ. That's all it is. This world is an image, a matrix that is set up to get everybody paying attention to this, loving this, and forgetting about what is most important, what is really the truth. Mm -hmm. All right, so, you know, it says, none beside him, verse 26. Uh, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. 
and my portion forever. So when you look for the Lord, he takes care of your needs. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring, excuse me, a whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord, in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. So we have to walk in the ways of the Lord and understanding Him, because you know this is what's plagued the church as far as gain. You know we have been compared with the world. We desire the things of the world. And we don't follow the things that the Lord is telling us to do. And this same desire to be somebody is in the church. When really we ought to be conformed to the image of Christ. Of course we got to live in this world. But the Bible says again, don't be of this world. So James is going to present. Um, and then we'll get right. In, uh, and then Sarah. And then we'll go right into the lesson. Mammonism, autopsy of a dead church. So, what was uh, placed on my heart to speak of today is there is momentum in faith. That's momentum in faith. It's like uh, you see a meteor, think of a meteor going through space, and that meteor has momentum. But think of that meteor being Christ. Mm -hmm. Whatever, um, whatever little small rocks, consider us like little small rocks, whichever little small rocks go into that, that meteor, we're humbled. You know, but whatever that meter hits is grounded into powder. So that the um, this lesson is is momentum. There's momentum in faith. And the first chapter uh, to go to is Matthew chapter three. See Matthew chapter three verse eleven. Okay. And it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his, in, in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then after he says this, afterwards come Christ. So after he's saying there is someone who who comes after me, who is mightier than I. And immediately Christ is coming. And then it says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So John the Baptist, he is right in front of Christ, he sees him. He is saying to Christ, I am in need to be baptized of you. But Christ says, suffer it to be so, so all righteousness be fulfilled. Right. So let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Now at this point, John the Baptist, I believe he is already in prison at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, the governor saw him uh, and put him in prison. Mm -hmm. So chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, 
he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now John the Baptist had already seen Christ. He's seen him. But I guess in prison, maybe he had, he had a, a sense of discouragement. And Christ, who is the author of our faith, uh, renewed his faith. Mm -hmm. and, he, and, he, and the disciples that John the Baptist sent to Christ, he told those two disciples. And he gave an, him an answer. And he said, Jesus answered and said unto, him, unto them, Go and shew John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So I believe it is also speaking of his faith, that momentum that, that John the Baptist was going around saying, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That was John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. And even though that, that one moment where it says that, uh, is it you that we seek? Is it, are you the Christ? And Christ renewed that faith. He says, go tell John the Baptist of what, what you have seen. Mm -hmm. so, so that momentum, we must continue. That momentum in our faith. We, I mean, there, there are times when we might become discouraged, but it is Christ who is the, the author of our faith. That's right. He renews it. Amen. Awesome. Oh, and that, that again has something to do with the lesson, man. It always happens. I'm going to have you guys go to James 4, verses 7 and 8. believe that the Lord put this on my heart too because I was kind of going back and forth on what to speak about today and these two verses kept coming up so I said okay Good. All right. James 4 verses 7 and 8 submit yourself yourselves therefore unto God therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you cleanse your heart cleanse your hands ye sinners and purify your hearts ye double minded um Last night something happened to me, and um, I was having some really like just crazy dreams. I don't remember what they were, but I believe that they could have been in a vision since. But I also believe that something tried to suffocate me in my sleep. And when I woke out of it, I started praying to the Lord because I was very just, you know I was disturbed by it. And I started praying to the Lord and asking Him for forgiveness that, you know. If this was my last night on earth, had I done everything that I was supposed to do in my walk with him? Or was there more that needed to be done? 
And not trying to scare anybody, I just believe that this is for my faith, that I believe that in drawing closer to the Lord, that Satan's going to try and, and lean on me at times, or he's going to try and lean on us at times. And are we going to be afraid when this happens? Are we going to submit ourselves to God and continue to go forward in our walk with him? And it actually renewed my faith in the Lord. It really did. And I know that there's more I need to do. And, but I know that I need to submit myself to God in everything that I knew, and I need to draw near to Him. And if, if there's anything that I'm doing that is not of God, then I need to give it to Him and let Him work in my life. And, you know, so, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much what I have to this evening as far as... Awesome. Is that it? Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just that, you know, just drawing cl closer to the Lord and everything that we do and, you know, not letting, you know, when Satan puts the squeeze on us, you know, we fight right back. Yeah, exactly. A lot of things happen in life where it can hurt you, it can uh, try to stop you, but you got to keep moving. Well, it's awesome that you both uh, presented that because, man, they're kind of like in line with each other and with the um, lesson that we're going forward. And um, I do want to, um, I'm grateful to James because he added, he went over scripture that, man, is really uh, important because I'd like to um, continue with what he said. And I mean, um, I think it's, you stopped it where, um, about the clothing and the prophet? Yes. Matthew uh, 11. Okay. Yeah, because I like what he said too here when it says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of, of women, oh, you read that part, mm -hmm. has not been a greater than John the Baptist. And then in verse 12 it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. You know, one of the things that um, was great, too, about what you guys said, James presented the faith, you know, and, and um, getting, you know, turned back up and, and staying steadfast and believing. And Sarah brought up the part about, you know, double-minded and making it right with the Lord and being renewed in the faith. And when you hear about um, John the Baptist suffering violence and the violent taking it by force, you know, it's kind of like we really have to fight our way into the kingdom. You know, now a lot of people turn away from that. A lot of people believe like, man, that's not, you know, that's not what Christianity is about. It's about love. It is about love. But it's also about, do you think the devil is just going to let you walk in? You think God is just going to let the devil let you walk in? No. I mean, the same way the children of Israel did, they had to fight their way into the promised land. You know, we're going to have to contend. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. So we do have to fight our way in and finish our course to make it in. So when we face opposition, we shouldn't stop. And, man, it is awesome how you both brought yeah. a point well, concerning that. I tell you what happened to me last night as, um, what was I going through, that, you know, I need to be shaken and stirred in my faith sometime to see where I'm at. Because it's like if I get comfortable with what I'm doing, then, you know, of course, read the word and every, but look at all the distractions that are around us it's mm -hmm. so easy to get distracted so mm -hmm. it's like if something happens to me it always happens to me in my sleep too that is just you know something but it's just like when that happens it's like okay you know lord 
give me the strength to go forward. And mm -hmm. that's, that's just the thing. It's like, mm -hmm. and, and another thing is that if we're drawing closer to the Lord, you'll find that like spiritual songs will go off in your head or you'll be able to pray because it's like you're half awake and you're half asleep. That's generally when it happens to me. Halfway mm -hmm. at, and I'm able to pray, but it's like if I'm continuing my relationship with the Lord, it's easier for me to for him to be able to strengthen me and for me yeah. to be able to pray out of that. It's really interesting that that tends to happen when people are resting or sleeping. Mm -hmm. At a times where they, some people say it's the most peaceful time a human being can be in because they're asleep. They're not mm -hmm. doing anything bad necessarily or anything, you know. So mm -hmm. it's interesting that that happens because you're vulnerable. So that's the time where you're not necessarily conscious of what you're doing mm -hmm. because you're resting, you're mm -hmm. asleep. So that's that makes sense why it might happen because the enemy might feel like that's the perfect opportunity to attack and prey mm -hmm. on somebody. Yeah. So. No, that's exactly right. And there's even a um, scripture in Job. It's not coming to me right now, but it says that the Lord speaks to us in our rest or in your rest. He um, like fills your spirit because even sometimes we can be too busy for the Lord. And the Lord is like, all right, I got to wait for you. This guy's running his mouth. He's on the phone. He's on the internet. His mind's racing. He's thinking about this and that. He's dealing with other people, so I'm going to wait for him to fall asleep so I can tell him what I need to tell him. So the Lord even interacts with us in our rest. I have to find that scripture, I guess, hopefully before the lesson is, is over with today. But, um, you know, mammonism, it is the autopsy of a dead church. When you hear churches talking so much about money, okay, and gain, and not spiritual gain, but gain, then, you know, the question is, okay, well, then that means you're spending less time talking about what needs to be. And that can even be as far as, you know, spiritual guidance, getting more into the Word. But you find a lot of these pastors here, man, all they talk about is the world, worldly gain, worldly success. You know, uh, how's your family? Hope everything is great there. There's nothing wrong with caring for people. But the point is, is the goal is for every single individual to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the main goal behind what is being done. But they'll tell you, you know, um, I, I've seen a lot of churches. They have all types of sales and picnics and all this other stuff. And I'm not speaking against community. I believe community is important, common unity. But one of the issues is there's so much emphasis put on it yeah. that it's like, man, I don't think people really understand how serious the gospel is. You know, because not one person in this Bible told a joke concerning doing the will of the Lord. They were right to the point. They were very honest. Hey, guys, did we only got one life to live, and this is what we need to do to make it in. Yeah. Again, it's narrow. Exactly. We'll, we'll start in uh, Matthew 4. That's where I thought you were going to go after you read Matthew 3. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. But Matthew 4, this is about Jesus, you know, being in the wilderness. I know we've covered this before, but um, I'm just going to go here. Uh, Matthew 4 and verse 1, and it says, uh, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterwards and hungered. He hungered. And he was, uh, and when the tempter, I mean the tempter uh, came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So when Jesus told his disciples in John 6, I am the bread of life, 
that I am the way. And if you drink my flesh, I mean, you eat of my flesh and you drink of my blood, you shall have eternal life. So Jesus was pretty much telling Satan here, because the tempter, notice he was called the tempter in this time. He came to bring Jesus, who was led by the Spirit, back into his carnality, back into his carnal mind, his carnal, you know, uh, a carnal nature. So, you know, when he offered turn these into bread, he knew Jesus was hungry. So he tried to get him to not obey God at the expense of our own feelings, our own desires. And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Moses proved this, and so did Elijah. Both of them fasted for 40 days, and they had no drink, and they had no food, but they were in the presence of the Lord being fed. So that tells you the spirit is greater than anything that we can seek in the flesh. All right, then the devil taketh him up into a holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee, and, um, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot upon the stone. So we understand here that the enemy was trying to attack the pride of Jesus, trying to make him have pride. Um, also, the devil himself here is quoting Psalm 91, which shows you that the enemy himself also knows scripture. Some people think just because they're quoting scripture that they're speaking godly, but the fact of the matter is, what is the motive behind the scripture you're presenting? Are you trying to put someone down or are you trying to, you know, um, lift someone up and feed them? So this even tells you the devil said, okay, since you just said it is written, well, I also know something that's written. So let's see what you got. You know, so now he's trying to match him by thinking, okay, now that I mentioned scripture, he might just disobey the father just to match me in scripture. But look at verse 7. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So, you know, you don't do things in God's presence because you think you can. And this had happened to me um, pretty early when I was trying to um, help people. You know, um, I believe in the spiritual gifts as far as laying hands on the sick and doing things. But you have to go according to the Spirit because Paul says, Lay no hands on man suddenly. But the Bible also tells you, too, that it's your faith that heals you. But see, I might have been trying to lay hands on someone in pride, and the Lord didn't let it be. So where I'm, I'm there trying to do a work, was it really for the Lord, or was it because I was trying to show that I can do something void of the Spirit? So, you know, I wouldn't say that would be tempting the Lord, but what it is doing is you're desiring the spiritual gifts above the obedience of the Spirit. So here you are trying to do that, and there were times I've been showed up where, like, I'm here doing it, but the Lord is sitting there watching. I didn't tell you to do that. So whatever outcome you get from that, that's on you. But don't pin my name to it because I didn't tell you to do this. So we have to seek the Lord in all things. Well, and what scripture is that that's talking about accepting the gifts but not the power thereof? Um, having a form of godliness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but denying the power, yeah, that's something that's, where you have to, yeah. yeah, so, you know, that's something that um, we all got to watch ourselves with, and I've been tested, and I'm still being tested, and I'm still learning, you know, because you don't want to mistake what God tells you to do versus your own thoughts and will. Right. Uh, again, uh, this is verse 8, again, the devil taketh him um, up into an exceeding high mountain and sheweth him all the kingdoms of the world. And the glory of them. Notice the devil can only offer Jesus that which was in the world. 
he had no power over spiritual things, over things of the, you know, of um, the heavenly kingdom. Uh, and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. You would never believe at one point or another how many times we have taken this deal. But the Lord eventually freed us and, and, and fixed us with it to where we might have moved beyond it. But in many cases, the Lord may call us to do things. And, you know, here's an opportunity where you can make some money. And it just sounds like a goodly, godly thing. But it's not the thing that the Lord called for you to do. So this is how we get stuck in chasing. And the three things that the devil offered the Lord, you know, were the same thing he offered Adam and Eve. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So we understand here that this is even talking about loving your God, loving, you know, um, with all your heart, mind, and soul. Look at how he concluded with forsaking the world with, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall I serve which tells you that his love for the Father was greater than anything that the devil could have given him. But if Jesus had any stake, any peace, any, any desire to want to be in this world or do the things of the world, Satan would have yanked that string. And guess what? Jesus would have been, like Sarah talked about, ye double-minded. He would have been half in and half out. So how could he have fulfilled the will of God? Mm -hmm. It would have been impossible unless he decided to go half in, which, you know, you can't do. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now, um, if you read Luke 4, they both have an account of this, but Luke 4 says that Jesus had returned. Matter of fact, let's go there real quick. Luke, Luke chapter 4. We're going to hold here? No, we're done there. That's and right. So it's like we can't, it's not that you can't have things in this world, but we can't place them above Christ. No right. relationships. That's why in Matthew chapter 10 it says you cannot love father, nor mother, nor son, nor daughter, son-in-law, daughter. He goes to the whole line of family. You can't, because what does it do? It places something between yeah. you and your relationship with Christ. Yeah. There, there is, you know, you're idolizing something more mm -hmm. than Christ. Yeah, even our possessions. Oh, yeah. yeah that's why I, I think it was made clear to the gentleman, it says, um, not to, you know, have these possessions, get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Because eventually, if you get attached and you have possessions, they can possess you. That's right. You know, you get too hold of it, it's hard for you to let go. Oh, yeah, totally. No, that's so right. Um, and that's why we just have to, the Lord slowly takes things from us. Uh, Luke 4 and verse 13, it says, um, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. That means he wasn't done, but this is for a season. Now look at what was gained in the, um, you know, in the process. Verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit uh, into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought. And uh, as his custom was, 
uh, he was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So we know that this is when he talked about um, binding the brokenhearted and setting the captives free. He fulfilled the um, prophecy of Isaiah 61. You know, it's just one of those things where if the church had less time for the world, look at the power that would fall on the church, that the church would be doing the works of Jesus, you know, binding the brokenhearted, setting the captives free, not in their own might or strength, but in, 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 but in Jesus Christ. So this is one of the things that have really held down a lot of churches and kept them from moving forward. Let's go to Amos 8. I know a lot of people don't go there too often, but Amos 8, we'll start at verse 1. I'll tell you, you get a lot of gems in these uh, minor prophets. Mm -hmm. And this is why there's such a famine in the land for the word of God. Because, man, people are not being spiritually fed. We've got to be fed. All right, everybody there? Almost there, Jay? It's in between... Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we got the thing back there, too. If anybody needs it. Yeah, because it's like getting that mental picture yeah. is what really helps you to know where you are in the yeah. Bible. Especially That's right before the New Testament. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. All right. Cool. Amos eight and verse one. Thus uh, hath the Lord God shewed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, uh, the end is come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies, and every place shall um, uh, they shall cast them forth with silence. So the Lord is talking about here, I don't believe he's talking about dead as in physically. I believe he means spiritually, a dead church. He said that the singing would even be like howling to him. Like, you're not glorifying me. You know, look at that. Look at what you're saying. Look at what you're doing. I'm not entertained in the least. You know, where is my spirit in this place? That's all God is concerned with. That's why a church without the Holy Ghost is not really the church at all. All right, but it says... Um, Verse uh, 4, Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail, saying, When will the new moon be gone, and when uh, may we sell corn, and the Sabbath, and we may set forth wheat, making an ephah small, and a shekel great, and falsifying the balances uh, uh, by deceit. So these are the people, while, the, while um, Amos is saying, that things will be, you know, the church is going to pretty much die down or Israel itself won't have that strong presence of the Lord. The dead will be there. The needy, you know, will be without, you know, even uh, make to the poor, you know, their land to fail. But these people who are on top in charge are saying, when can we, never mind the people that are in need, when can we sell corn? When can we do this stuff on the Sabbath day? So they're trying to make gain. But look at what it says, um, that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small. That's the measure. That's what an ephah is. The measure small and the shekel great and falsifying the balances by deceit. 
So what they're saying is the bushel will be small, which means the word of God, the abundance in the spirit, the, all the things that you need for spiritual growth. Let's push that down. But the shekel will make big because we need great gain. This is why you can go into church for 30 minutes and hear a message that sounds sweet and loving and cool. And they'll, sit, they'll read one verse and make a whole sermon out of it. But the people are not spiritually fed. So what does that make you? Come back every week trying to learn just a little bit more. But more than anything, you're entertained. Because they're, they're talking about money. They're talking about game. They're talking about all these probably worldly things. But, and, and they're getting the money. They're getting great gain. But what they're not giving you is the reason, the, the need to be filled in the spirit. Yep. More of God's word. So you get less of God's word and you get more of, more of the money. And they're falsifying the balances by deceit. They're doing this on purpose. So that even tells you that this is what's going on. Verse 6. That we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes. Oh, look at this. Yea, and sell the refuse uh, of the wheat. Uh, the Lord hath um, sworn by the excellency of Jacob. Surely I will never forget any of their works. So these pastors are playing a dangerous game. You know, trying to get the people for gain, but not give anything back. Mm -hmm. Verse 8. Shall not the land tremble for this, and every one mourn that dwelleth therein? And it shall rise up wholly as a flood. And it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon. And I will darken the earth uh, in the clear day. And I will turn your feast into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. And I will bring a sackcloth upon all loins and baldness upon every head. And I will make it as uh, the morning uh, of an only son, and the end thereof of a bitter day. This is a dual prophecy here. This is really interesting, but they're talking about here that the Lord God would come, and he said, your feast will be nothing to me. Your singing will be lamentation. When you lament, you mourn. It's like a song of mourning. So he's saying with all of this going on, that um, he said that he will bring the sun down in the day um, at noon. Do you know this is a dual prophecy? This is the return of Christ, but this was also when Christ was crucified. Remember, the third hour, I mean, well, he was up there on the cross at noon, the third hour, I think they said the sun darkened and everything, and they were talking about his coming. So this is speaking of two times, the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. So the first time this did happen, where the children of Israel really had no leadership after Paul and all the other guys came and did what they did. Uh, Jerusalem was destroyed, taken over by Rome, you know, and they were pretty much scattered. When he said there will be baldness upon your heads means that because you don't have the proper leadership and you didn't seek my leadership, it's going to be a bunch of vagabonds running around trying to find the word of God. This is what you're going to see. This is what's going on now. This is why a lot of people don't even trust churches to be in them to do that, which is, you know, as far as the, the structure is concerned. you got a lot of groups breaking off and forming their own because they know that there's no leadership. Why? 
There's no spiritual feeding. There's no guidance because they have forsaken it. And you know what the church today is doing? Doing the exact same thing. They're forsaking the guidance of the Lord, and now you got chaos. You got wildfire burning when at one point it was supposed to be a controlled fire. All right, so um, verse 11, and he says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, uh, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north, even to the east. Uh, they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. So we understand this is what's going on now. This is why you got some good pastors out there doing things, but none of the ones I really see on TV, a lot of the times I'll go to a YouTube channel and hear some good preaching. Why? Because there's a famine in the land. You might understand and you might love what some of these pastors are saying, but you're not anywhere close where you can be in attendance. You know, and, and every local church around here, I've been to many I just don't feel spiritually fed in them. Now, could I come there and try and make a difference? Possibly. But the point is, is this is why these things are happening. I'm not saying churches are bad. What I'm saying is there's a famine for the word of God, you know, and people are just not doing it. The money is rolling in, but the people are more ignorant. And you know what? Lots of false religions wait on this sort of thing. This is why people become atheists after being in church 20 years. Yeah. This is why many of them go into New Age religions and other things. Why? Because at least something's happening over here. At least they're making sense. But anytime you can be in a church for years and not learn anything, never being in a Bible study, not knowing the word, I know because I was that individual. I wasn't fed a lot in the spirit. A lot of the teaching, the Lord taught me and he brought me to other teachers where I could learn more. So there's a famine in the land for the word. Look at verse 13. In that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. Um, they that swear by the sin of Samaria and say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth, and the manna of Beersheba liveth. Even they shall fall and never rise up again. So we understand with this famine, they said they shall be as fair virgins, uh, young men faint for thirst. Let's go to um, Matthew 5 real quick. Then we'll get right in. Uh, Matthew 25, sorry. It's also like having that earlier and latter rain. That's right. That we're not getting because um, the society, even though it said it was founded on a Christian nation, but even still, there was at one point when the the pastor, because he was seeking the Lord's wisdom, had some say so when things happened. And now mm -hmm. it's like it's so twisted and turned backwards. It's like, why would the Lord want to feed a nation that's corrupt? He's right. going to feed the groups that really want it. And see, the former reign was for the maturing of, I mean, was for the growing of the crops, yeah. and the latter reign was for the maturing of the crops. And many people have never even got to the former or the latter rain, you know, to even know what that's about. I believe, honestly, I'm still waiting on my latter rain. You know, I'm, I'm now learning, but I'm also being, you know, matured in the Lord. And it's going to take a long process. I'll never feel like I've achieved. You know, you're always gaining, always striving, trying to get that much closer to the Lord and learn that much more in the Lord. 
You want to make make a no, point? No, no, it's, it's oh, okay. Uh, Matthew 25 and verse 1. Uh, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried till... Um, uh, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and, their, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So this tells you here, salvation is an individual affair. Just because we're sitting in a church or a Bible study or wherever we are, doesn't mean that everybody is getting it. Not everybody's taking it serious. So the thing is, when the time comes, because I believe with the judgment being proclaimed upon this land, they're going to get rid of all Bibles. And that word of God is going to have to live inside of you. That teaching is going to be gone. No one's going to have time to sit down and explain something to you because they're on the run or they're doing the will of the Lord. Hey, man, the, the, you know, the, the um, harvest has come in. The Holy Ghost has put his spirit on everyone that wasn't foolish, that is ready. Now we're going out. We don't have time for this. Our job is to, you know, do what the, 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 what the Lord is saying. But I can't tell someone at that point when the Holy Ghost is saying move, hey, man, we need to sit down and have a chat. You know, and I want to counsel you on this. Not when the Lord has been speaking to us all this time. It's time to it's time to work. It's time to bring in the harvest. So this is what we don't want to miss out on, and this is what the foolish have done. They've wasted their time not reading the word, not getting into it. It's not gonna be here forever. Momentum again. That's right. See? James um put a good um he did a good uh, segment on momentum and faith. And Sarah did um, one on the double-minded. And then we're going to end up, like Christina's going to add something too uh, before we close. Yeah. It reminds me of one more. It's uh, no different from Lot. When, when Christ sent the angel, mm -hmm. he said, don't look back. It's the momentum. you got to continue. To That's right. Back. Great point. That's right. We've got to keep our eyes focused on the goal. Is that easy? No. Will it get easier over time? Absolutely. Because you want... Right, because you learn how to walk this thing out. All right, so theirs is going out, verse 9, but the wise answered, saying, oh, I read that part, verse 10, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him uh, to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. You got to eat of his flesh. Drink of his blood. Christ formed in us is the hope of glory. Watch therefore, uh, for ye know neither the day nor, out, nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, uh, to every man according to... Uh, his several ability and straightway took his journey. So notice that all these men had different ability and he paid them according to this. 
Then he uh, that uh, have received the five talents went and traded uh, with the same and made them uh, other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, uh, he also gained um, other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of the um, servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that uh, had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me uh, five talents. Behold, I have gained uh, beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Uh, then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and uh, gathering uh, where thou hast, hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast uh, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money into the exchange, I mean to the exchangers, uh, and them at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. Okay, so uh, therefore, well, he says, uh, take therefore the talent from him and give it and give it unto him, which have 10 talents. So, you know, the, the long story short here. No, I'll keep reading. This is too important. Verse 29. For unto every one that hath um, that hath shall be given and he shall um, have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away uh, even that which he hath. And, and cast ye the profitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So people need to stop really playing around with the Lord when he's talking about work and there's things to do. One had a hard job, five talents. He brought back five more. The Lord blessed him and made him faithful over even that much more. One brought two. The Lord didn't treat them any different. One did two. All right, you know, you will multiply by two. Come on in and rest. This guy had one talent, okay? And all he could have done was do what was necessary, what the Lord was calling him to do. He would have received the talent, you mean, you know, and then go on in. But this guy felt like that little job was too hard. And this is why the church has to really wake up because they feel like, I don't want to offend. I feel like if you just show them love and they hang around, I don't have to bring about the correction of Christ. I'll do my part just by having them come in. Oh, no, we all got to be washed in this word. We all get offended. But you know what? That's the Lord making happen what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So we can't be slothful. The Lord can't stand sloth. Why? He was a working God. When he came here in the flesh, when the disciples came here, their work never ceased. Whether it was jail, whether it was, you know, going with nothing, 
Paul had no home. Paul was under in jail and under house arrest. Jesus said the son of man has not a, a place to lay his head. You know, but he said if you follow after me that he would give he would make your life abundant. So we got to forsake so much to walk with the Lord, but if you notice it's gain, it's not a loss. But unless our carnal minds can switch to the spiritual, we have an understanding that godliness is gain, then we won't see it any other way. We'll feel like God is hindering us from doing what we want. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Anybody going to say anything? No. Okay. Right now, I'm just setting the floor because we're going to um, get into it. You know, but this is why a lot of people, you know, their will for mammon, you know, and, and trying to walk this thing out in the world, it just... You know, it, it will hinder you from doing what the Lord is calling us. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to rely on the Lord and His strength and not our own strength. That's right. What is that in, um, is it Proverbs, I think? Lean not on to thine own understanding. In yeah. all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, First Timothy chapter 3, everybody, I mean 6, verse 3, sorry. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 6. Did I say four? I thought you did. Oh, okay. All right, six, verse three. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even to words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men and corrupt minds, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. So anytime you got somebody, I don't care if it's in a church, it could be your pastor, your master, I don't care who it is, if he's directing you towards worldly gain, the Bible says to withdraw thyself. Why? Because we are to set our affections above and not below. Okay? And then it says, uh, verse 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. So as long as we have food and clothing, let us be content. Mm -hmm. But man wants to gain all those things. So he's saying, seek that which is necessary. Okay? And then it says, um, verse 9, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in um, destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced, themse and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, Godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, uh, fight the good fight of faith, lay hands on eternal life, um, whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. So that tells us there that we ought to set our affections above and not below. But you've got a lot of churches not doing this. Matthew, um, I believe it's 6 and 21. I could be wrong. Matthew 6 and 21, or 19, Matthew 6 and 19. Anyone want to add anything? 
right. Yeah, 6 and 19. It's Matthew 6, verse 19. Are you there? All right. And it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break in, I mean break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart also I mean be also. So that tells us there that we need to walk in the newness of life and pursue the Lord. Because if your treasures are in the world, your heart will be. So you can't love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's impossible. You might give him your being, but your heart's here. And this is a great point that James brought up that we just covered. The reason why Lot's wife turned back is because her heart was still in Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't with, um, with following the Lord. All right, late, uh, where am I? 22. 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So if your eye is single, if your eye is focused on the Lord, if your eye is true and righteous, then, you know, the body will be full of light. But in thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? This will even tell you about the um, tree of knowledge of good and evil, like we cover. You know, I want to do a full study on that, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil was not just a tree of evil. It was a tree of good. The only problem was it wasn't a tree of God, you know? So this is why even in the medical world, doctors can, you know, give you another limb and, you know, they can give you meds to help with your headache. You know, but it doesn't fix the problem of sin. You have laws in this world where they'll tell you, you know, freedom of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, all this stuff. All these things that we think are so important. But it does not fix the sin nature. It doesn't change man. So even with all of man's intervention, technology, I mean, they can do all sorts of things. You still can't get to the core of who God is. So the tree of knowledge of good and evil was a place to think independent of God, which God gave them the option to. But he said, if you eat from the tree of life, you'll be set. You know, why would you want anything else? If you've got God, you've got everything. But it took Adam and Eve to fall and thousands of years of man and his strife on this earth to recognize that you need Christ. You need help. You are not okay. There is something wrong with you. And this is something we all have to come to the reality of. We need a nature change. You want to make a point? Yeah, oh, okay. All right. Uh, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. I mean, now that's pretty clear. You know, that is very clear. You can't serve the two. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life or what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat uh, and the body uh, than raiment? Behold, and when he's talking about the life, he's not talking about your life here on earth. He's talking about eternal life, which is the true life, the body that never dies. Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they are so not. Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, 
Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are they not much better than they? Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking, oh, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye the, why take ye thought of for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, to the, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So that tells us that we need to really walk in the ways of the Lord and understand him. Now, I will say that this walk is taken by few. I might be getting a glimpse of what's coming. You know, I lost my job. Um... About two months now, like a month and a half. But I noticed that the enemy, I tell this story, was trying to get me to um, have studies on Tuesdays and Sundays. I mean, he wanted me to work on Tuesdays and Sundays. And I'm like, well, I'm through. I'm, I'm open Wednesday through, you know, Saturday. Like, if you got anything? No, we don't have anything. But we do have a shift for you on Sunday. And I'm like, man, well, I got something to do, you know. And they're like, well, um, how about Tuesday? And I'm like, no, um, you know, I, I got to study. I got things on Tuesday. All right, I'll tell you what. How about Sunday? That's the way it was. And, I mean, this is going on for a month. No money's coming in. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to remain faithful because I think the Lord was making it clear to me by just choosing only Tuesdays and Sundays, this is the devil. Why he wanted me to get away from this? And I refused to do it, but that's probably the first time in my life that I had taken that stand, you know, but that's only a tiny portion of what Jesus is talking about here, because Jesus is saying, if you really believe me, man, quit your job, do all this stuff, walk out in true faith and follow me everywhere I'm going. Yeah. Do what I'm telling you to do. Now that's true faith. And I have yet to walk that out, but I do believe that that is the right way. And this is the goal. And I'm not ashamed to say that I'm not there yet. But I believe that even while we're working, he does have us doing his will. But we can do that much more. So he's saying, if we haven't even achieved to this place yet, we are still lacking faith. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just something showing us that we need to continue in Christ. Yeah, it's, um, I guess this would kind of be an extreme way, mm -hmm. but it's, it's even like into death. Like you would not rely on, uh, like say you're su like you're suffocating. You wouldn't rely on that breath mm -hmm. to continue living. What right. you rely on is Christ. Exactly. You, know, you would not depend yep. on that. You wouldn't depend on. Uh, uh, let's see. Like if you're in pain, you would your your brain would not be focused on that pain. Mm -hmm. It would be focused on Christ. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's it's right. It's interesting he brought that up, considering that that's what I felt like happened. Yeah, because I've had many people tell me about how they, they have this sense of paralysis when they're resting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or something like a shadow or some kind of dark mm -hmm. figure oh, is yeah. like trying to choke them. But like immediately when they call out to Christ, that that thing would go away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they don't they, they stop focusing on trying to fight it and trying to breathe, and they just let go and just let God. Yeah, mm -hmm. wouldn't that be the like, um, divination like spirit? Divination. Divining spirit, um, uh, like, like a, a python spirit trying to take you away from Christ. 
Um, not really. It would be more like, um, what do you call it? Because a divining spirit is kind of like, right, like trying to get you to um, tell some truth. It would be more like a, um, honestly, like just a, a demon in the room. Could be a demon of murder. Could be a spirit of murder. I, I also had that experience. One day I took a nap and I'm sitting there, I'm on the couch. I was watching TV and whatever and I fell asleep. And, you know, I began to lay down and I felt literal hands around my neck holding me down. And I'm trying to, like, wake up. And, you know, you know you sleep, but you just can't get out of it. And finally, I'm, like, praying and it was like I busted out of it, but there was nothing there. But I literally felt like I was being strangled. Like, if you just hold on a little bit longer, you're going to die. Well, this so. is the first time I had ever felt like that sensation of I couldn't breathe. That right. was, this was the very first time. And I didn't even know I wasn't breathing until I came out of it. I even think sleep apnea has something to do with that. Now, I know doctors will tell you, well, it's only because, you know, your throat closes or whatever. But if you ever notice people that have it, and I've had it for years, you know, for a couple of years in my life, and I know I wasn't living right, too. Is that but, when, you, when you stop breathing and you sleep? Yeah, where you just... Yeah. And then it's like... Yeah. <laughs> person wakes well, up, well, but... Well, yeah, but the interesting part is that even if that was the case, mm -hmm. why, why is it, like, it's just so interesting how you have a dark figure happen to be over you, mm -hmm. you know, at the mm -hmm. same time... Well, Let's say that you, you just stop breathing, mm -hmm. you know, and let's say it's like a, a illness or something. Mm -hmm. And then every time it just so happens, like, while you're resting, you have a dream of some dark figure or statue mm -hmm. trying to, like, choke you oh, or yeah. something. Yeah, it's really, it is scary, I mean, to think about, but that's why we need the Lord, because mm -hmm. even in our sleep, like you said, our vulnerability, mm -hmm. anything could happen. Anything could come upon you. All right, let's go to Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to look at... Um, the Lord fed up with the children of Israel again. This is, um, you know, their issue where he's no longer looking for the things that they once gave him because he's recognizing, man, this body is sick. And what you would find in a lot of churches, church itself, and I don't mean the body of Christ. I'm talking about the buildings, the institutions. It's kind of like a sanitized version of filthy sin. Because you know that a lot of pastors don't address sin and a lot of things they don't talk about. But, you know, it gives you this false sense of hope of I'm in here. I'm a member of such and such church. I'm OK. And I hear what the pastor says, but I myself never being conformed to any of this. But because I'm a member and I look nice and and praise the Lord, brother, and all this other stuff going on that I'm feeling like I've done something. So. You know, it's one of those things where I think a lot of people are being deceived by the church, which makes them twofold the child of hell. Why? Because, one, you're a sinner. Two, you believe you have Christ because you're in an institution, but it's not by your personal relationship. But then you might love the pastor that you have, so he's between you and Christ. Instead of talking to Jesus, which we all have the right to do, they're off, you know, pastor, what do you think? What do you care about this? And, you know, the past, there's nothing wrong with counseling. God gave teachers, okay? He gave counselors. But the whole thing is, is that many of those people don't seek the Lord themselves. Their version of God is going to the church and talking to the pastor. And, I mean, that's, you know, the thing that the Lord wants to correct. He didn't die so that could happen. Now, he did give 
of government as far as teachers, pastors, apostles, and all that. But he wanted a one-on-one with you, you know, and, and that's what's missing. Exactly. Exactly. And then the question has to be asked, what is the church? And people have to understand it's a body of believers. When you walk out of that building, there is no church. When you when the church is in the building, there's the church. So it's not just a a, a building of brick and, you know, mortar. It's actually a body of believers. All right, Isaiah chapter one, verse one. The vision of our, everybody there? Almost. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, sir. All right. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, uh, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, uh, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, uh, and, the, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, uh, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. So they've, they've backslidden. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more, and um, the whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint. So your heart is so faint that you can't love God when you're in the world. The world will do that all by itself. You don't have to try to not love God. You can just fall in love with the world, and you will instantly be distanced from the Lord. But then he says, man, the whole head is sick. Imagine that, like, I can't even get through to you because you're sick. There's no way in <laughs> through your understanding. Everything that you think is opposite of God. Mm-hmm. All right, so it says, verse 6, For the sole of the foot, uh, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither wound up, I mean bound up, neither mollified uh, with ointment. So the reason why a lot of people can't move forward with the Lord too we're really open source. If you don't allow the Holy Ghost to come in and heal you and fix those things, they just linger. And this is why you can be a pastor and you can be involved in so much and laying hands on the sick and doing all these great things in the Lord. But yet a guy like Jimmy Swaggart, after all he did, Jimmy Swaggart at one point was so empowered by the Spirit of God. I mean, he would just play his piano and people would fall out saved. And I'm talking real Holy Ghost power. This guy had power in the Lord, but yet, in his spare time, he'd go down to New Orleans, start messing around with the prostitutes, even while people were being saved by the thousands. But once the Lord was fed up with that, he pulled the sheets off of him, exposed him, you know, live, and Jimmy Swaggart was never the same. He might have been saved, you know, or redeemed, but he never had the power that was once put on him, that gift. Man, Jimmy Swaggart was a big deal. Look him up. His story is tragic, but a lot of people will keep these sores in their lives with no ointment, no Holy Ghost working on them, you know, and instead of letting the Lord deal with the sin of your life, don't play around with him and get exposed, because once that happens, then all will be known. Let him work on what's wrong with us. 
than to sit there and play games in the dark because those sheets will come off. And this is what's happening to the church today is why nobody has respect for it. Um, am I going to say something? Oh, okay. Verse 7, your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land strangers devour in your own, I mean, in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. This is what happened to America. You know, you got every nation coming over here with their gods, and they're taking over. And I'm not for any nation or any country, but it's clear that the Spirit of God is being moved. Uh, verse 8. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, except the Lord of hosts uh, had left unto us a very small remnant. Uh, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. So there is a very small remnant that the Lord has saved, while this whole world is corrupted. Even for the church, that word for remnant means residue. There's just a little something left with the light of Christ inside of them that the Lord is going to use in the coming days to do what is necessary. It's not going to be these big mega churches that talk about money. It's not going to be all these large groups where they got the golden chandeliers. And if you're carnally minded, you're going to say, I can feel the presence of God in here. It's so clean and, you know, pristine and everyone's smiling and being nice. But it's not getting to the core of the issue. So we can be deceived just through gain. So he's saying, man, we should have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's the prayers of the righteous, just as faithful few that are out there doing the Lord's will, learning about the word of God that he's using. And they're the only ones he's going to use, because if we know anything about our God from Old Testament to New, he always uses a small remnant. The Lord that we have he loves when the odds are against us. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I, I, I mean, I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. So the Lord is fed up with this. You know, he's not entertained by it. Verse 12. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, uh, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. Um, it is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. The solemn meaning they're talking about is the church, these assemblies, these vain oblations, the things that we think that we're doing. You know, we're out there speaking with great oratory. We're cracking jokes before crowds. You know, we're all over the Internet. You know, we're on mainstream TV. And we think all this stuff's good. You know, powerful singing in the choir, but yet half of them are in adultery and fornication and doing other things. So the Lord is saying, man, save me this garbage. Okay, I'm looking for, and, and this is an early attempt of God saying that we need Jesus Christ. Because for all these vain oblations and offerings and things we're given, this stuff stinks in God's nostrils. You know, but we think it's all about self, the way we look, the way we feel. So he said, even the solemn meeting, verse 14, your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hateth. Uh, they are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. 
And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. I won't hear you. You know, 3,000 babies a day aborted in this country. Now, this ain't just the people in the world. This is going on in the church. Okay, so the Lord is fed up with all these things. Murders. Hating your brother. Remember, Jesus said it's, a t it's murder. If you hate your brother without a cause. You know the church is the gossip center of the world. I mean, you know, that takes no one by accident. I mean, by surprise. So... The Lord is just saying that he's fed up with these things and he wants to make change. So it says in verse 16, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, uh, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. These are the things that the Lord is most concerned about. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye will be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. So the Lord is just calling for obedience. He doesn't care about the church system and the way things are set up. He needs a remnant. He needs vessels. He needs people that are out to be full of the Lord. Full of the Lord. Because all this church system does today sit around saying great things to one another. They may teach some word, but there's no attack mode in religion. And what I mean attack mode is you don't see the church going out evangelizing like they used to. Now everybody has to come and find them because they're set unto themselves. But with all this stuff, I mean, you know, peacefully coexisting with the devil, that's garbage. I mean, if you think about it, that's garbage that everybody thinks that this is how we're supposed to live. Just try and be nice to one another and ignore the devil. Exactly. You know, so the Lord is saying he wants us active because a church without the Holy Ghost is not the church at all. And it doesn't matter how good or nice a person may seem. If they are not followers of Jesus Christ, they're the enemy of Jesus Christ. That's right. They are our enemy. That's right. Gather with me. That's right. Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah 2. The Lord is calling for obedience, man. The church wants to entertain. You know. Yeah, it's not about um, exhibition. It's not about showing what you have. Mm -hmm. It's not about any of those things. Exactly. Um, that's, that's what magicians do. Exactly. They are like showing you <laughs> That's not what Christ is about. Exactly. Uh, that's why a, a lot of times he told them, when he healed the people, he told them, don't go out and pro, like proclaim or profess to other people. Mm -hmm. But he, he might have said, go and, um, and shoe what Moses did. Mm -hmm. He said, but don't go out and, and profess. Mm -hmm. And they did. Some of them did it anyway. Right. But it, exactly. it's not about fame. It's mm -hmm. not about my. It's not about any of that. No, it's really about the Lord. And I'll tell you, you, you let the Lord do one miracle through you. See, the Lord is slow to show power because he knows that our flesh can't handle that. We get puffed up, man. I mean, the, the, the few things that, you know, the Lord had done in my life and there I was, you know, well, you need to get my magazine cover picture looking like this because 
I have finally made it in with the big boys. That's how you start thinking. But, you know, it's like the Holy Ghost has got to humble you by you laying hands on a few people and nothing happening before, an, before a group of people. That is necessary at times. Why? Because you need to be humble. Man, this ain't about you. This is about me. Now, we can say it's about God, but still in all, we feel like, you know, watch everybody. Look at this. And Lord say, yeah, look, you're going to be sorely disappointed because I'm not in that. All right, so um, Jeremiah 2 and verse 4. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain? Neither said, neither said they, Where is the Lord? that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through the land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. So the Lord is not bragging here. This is just fact. But the point he's making is, man, where's your testimony of me? If I'm so great to you, then remember the things that I had done for you. Verse 7. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made mine heritage an abomination. Now, this is what's going on. You know, the church is, happens to be the subject today, but this is what's happened in America. And this is what's going on in the church. They've taken the heritage of God, the real solemn meetings that the real apostles had. And now it's a fun center. Verse 8, the priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. Man, if this isn't today, I don't know. Verse 9, wherefore I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim and see and send unto Kedar, uh, and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are ye, which are yet no gods? But my people uh, have changed their glory, for that which doth not profit. And this is this can be said as far as mammon. These are the things that separate us from God. Verse twelve. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, be horribly afraid, but ye are very desolate, saith the Lord. Oh yeah, but ye be very desolate, saith the Lord. Uh, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me and uh, the fountain of living waters. Now you know this is Jesus. And hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is Israel a servant? Is he... Um, a home-born slave, why is he spoiled? So the Lord is saying here, this is what Paul meant by being twofold the child of hell. You know, or, or Jesus said about the, um, what do you call them? Pharisees, about them being twofold the child of hell because one, they have forsaken the Lord, and two, they have become cisterns which are like vessels that can't even hold the Holy Ghost. So because you're still in your ways, you're still in your religion, you're still in the world, you can't even hold the Holy Ghost, and you've forsaken your Lord. So those are the two evils, making you twofold the child of hell. Mm -hmm. 
um, verse 15, the young lion roared upon him and yelled, and they made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitant. Also the children of Noth and um, Tehaphanes um, have, have broken the crown of thy heads. Hast thou not procured this unto uh, thyself, and that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, when he led thee by the way? And now what hast thou to do in the way of Egypt, to drink the waters of Sihor? Or what hast thou uh, to do in the way of Assyria, to drink the waters of the river? Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. What are the seven spirits of God? Remember, we did that teaching. One of them was the fear of the Lord, and this is what people lack. It is impossible for you to be obedient to God. I know churches push love, and love is key. But what is missing in most assemblies and most teachings is the fear of the Lord. Now, some people would, would, you know, knock it down a bit. No, that fear simply means respect. Oh, no, it means more than that. It's one thing to have respect. But Jesus said, fear he who has have, or heaven or hell to place you. Don't fear a man that can kill the body. A man that can kill the body and the soul is who you fear. So I think part of why the church can't go forward pursuing the Lord is because they take God for a joke. They paint these messages that he's just the Easter bunny or the tooth fairy, you know? You can, you know, joke with him a little bit, kid around. But if we knew that our God was that powerful, that even death, hell, and the grave fear him, that the waters obey him, that every creature in this earth would obey the God, that which we fear. Remember what he told Job? Look at Leviathan. Now, Leviathan must have been frightening. I don't, you can only imagine he's a creature of your worst nightmares. Said, Job, you scared of him? Well, guess what? I made him. Now, Leviathan would be scared of Jesus Christ just to show you that this is a God that we take lightly. But if we really knew what he was about, believe me, there'd be a lot less sin in the land. And you know what? Preaching less about hell has, has enabled the world to live wild and do what they want. I think hell is a good, healthy dose of fear to get us back on the right track. Verse 20, For an old time I have broken thy yoke and burst thy bands, and thou saidest, I will not transgress, um, when upon every high hill and under every tree, uh, every green tree, thou wanderest playing the harlot. Now we've all had an apple out of this bag. How many times have we said, Lord, I'll never do it again, I'll never do this? Thank you, Jesus. But every time he turns around, there you are, worshiping another God or engaged in something you shouldn't be in. And, you know, I don't mean worship another God. You may have the right Jesus, but we're going to do a full study on idolatry come uh, Tuesday because I think that is the biggest thing that's going to send people to hell. That is going to be the biggest issue is not knowing the depths of idolatry. Some people, you know, husband and wife get together. Um, husband can't um, do anything unless the wife is there. You know, the wife can't go and do something without her husband. When you got that type of thing going on, now the Lord said you will be one flesh, but you're one flesh under Christ. And they even tell you that when, excuse me, when one is fasting, 
that the other is supposed to give them their time that they have to fast with the Lord so they can't engage in stuff. This is husband and wife because it, it brings about uncleanness. But you've got couples that won't separate for the sake of God or, or anything, and you idolize that person, and that's going to bring something between your relationship. Uh, all right. Um, no, I need help. Where am I? Oh, verse 21. Yeah. Yet I had planted thee a noble vine, holy and right seed. How then art thou turned into the, 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 the degenerate plant wow. of a strange vine unto me? You, you're thinking what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's, that's big. John 15. That's big, yeah. John 15. What did Jesus say? I am the true, true vine. vine. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. You, are, you can't do anything without. So you know that this Lord here too, like I said, there's so many points that prove that Jesus Christ was in the Old Testament. It's not even funny. For though thou wash thee with nitre, and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. So you see, nitre and soap are what? Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's not getting to the core. You might, you know, wash yourself to smell, but this is a corrupting body. Our nature is corrupt. Uh, Jeremiah 3. Jeremiah 3, and we'll start at... We'll start at verse 3. Jeremiah 3 and verse 1. Well, actually, verse 1, sorry. <laughs> they say, if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return unto me, saith the Lord. Lift up thine eyes unto the high places and see where thou hast been lying with. In the ways uh, hast thou set uh, for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. Therefore the showers have been withholding, and there hath been no latter rain, and thou hast a whore's forehead, thou refusest to be ashamed. So this is also something the church deals with, no latter rain, no power in the Holy Ghost. You got a lot of preaching, you got a lot of shaking, you got a lot of talking, but you see very few miracles, very few things of the Lord taking place. Why? Because they have a whore's forehead. You think like a whore and you glory in your shame. You know, you don't, you don't mind doing the things you do and you're proud of it. So with a whore's forehead, you can't get through. Verse four, uh, wilt thou not from this time cry unto me, my father, art thou the God of my youth? Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to an end? Behold, thou hast uh, spoken and done evil things as thou couldest. The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, uh, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up uh, upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. What we understand is in, in a lot of um, the pagan countries and, and places, you'll find that they're always on high mountains and they're always in caves, you know, places that are away. So this is where a lot of witchcraft is done. This is why a lot of the highlands, um, you know, they would go to to practice witchcraft and do different things. Uh, and I said, after she had gone all these things, turn thou unto me. But she returned not, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. 
So these when the kingdoms were split up, as Israel did, so did the southern kingdom of Judah. And I saw when for all of the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went the, and went and played the harlot also. So you see, even when you're in a place of unbelief, you might have Israel and Judah there. You may have the righteous with the unrighteous there. But see, when you allow unrighteousness to dwell in your church, not to come in and be changed and transformed, but to remain and continue to do the things that they do, that one side will corrupt another side. This is why when Joshua was asking when they went out to war, they started to lose men. They lost a few one day, then they were losing like 10, then 20, then 30. So Joshua was like, Lord, you had always brought us back, you know, in victory. No one, everyone would come back. So he asked the Lord, well, why is this? The Lord said, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. There's sin that's going on. So this will weaken the forces of God because, you know, we're supposed to be cleansed and righteous. Mm -hmm. Walking in his ways. So um, where am I? Verse 9. And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all her... For all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me uh, with her whole heart, but faintly saith the Lord. So Judah didn't turn with, his, with her whole heart, because Judah was still in the whoredoms in the world. Uh, verse 11, And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel uh, hath justified herself uh, more than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine, thine iniquity that thou um, hast transgressed against thy Lord God and uh, hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. And ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. So people may think, well, this is talking about Israel and Judah. But look at what he said. He said, um, if you repent, if you um, acknowledge thine iniquity. What does Paul say or John say? John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's what we want, you know, to obey the voice of the Lord and do that which is right. Turn, O um, backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. You notice that? One of a city and two of a family. The pickings are going to be slim. There's not going to be these big groups. Remember, um, in the end, one lying in the bed, one taken. One grinding at the mill, the other taken. So there's not going to be everybody uh, doing the right things. Verse 15. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. This is what's lacking in the, in the church. Knowledge and understanding. There's a famine. Why? Because the, the whole thing is about worldly gain and people are not following the Lord and what he's calling us to do. Jeremiah 5 and verse 22. That's right. Believing all the word of God. 
That's right. Now look at what the Lord says in Jeremiah 5 and verse 22. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for a bound of, of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it. So he's saying, man, you got the nerve to not be afraid of me. Like you're standing up to me. Same way a parent feels when a child starts mouthing off. Wait a minute, you talking to me? You know, because it's like, do you realize what I can do to you? But that's pretty much what he's saying. Uh, verse 23, but this people have a revolting and rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, uh, both the former and the latter. You see that? In his season, he reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. So obedience and having fear of the Lord will get you that former and latter rain to walk in the spirit. The Holy Ghost is given to those who what? Obey God. I'm sorry. You were going to say something. I didn't know what you were going to say. But. Okay. But they are given to those who obey God. Verse 25. Your, your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholding good things from you. For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait. As he that setteth snares, they set a trap. They catch men. As a cage full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxing rich. Now, this is exactly what we're dealing with. Houses full of deceit. Remember what we read about the bushel and the shekel. You know, the bushel, you'll get less of the bushel, but the shekel will be increased. And that they would do deceitfully. That's in Amos um, 8 and uh, 5. So this is telling us that this is the same thing playing out. Um, verse 28. They are waxing fat. They're living high on the hog. Uh, they shine. Yea, they pass over. They overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause. They cause... Uh, of the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper, and the right of the needy uh, do they not judge. So you see what's getting them great gain. You see that? They judge the deeds of the wicked, they judge not. Why? Because they know it's bad for business to speak of sin in church. You can't talk about homosexuality in church. People get offended. You can't talk about those things that are most important because why people are into gain. I need, as long as people are coming to the church, and I don't want to offend. See, so this is why Sarah and I had talked about this, but this is why you guys will find I'm not so love-struck when it comes to preaching love. Love is the presence of an individual, and that love is Jesus Christ. When he lives in you, that love will spread across to everyone else. But you see, that love doctrine is going to damn a lot of people to hell. Why? Because they're going to feel like, to not speak of sin, to not bring correction, is not bringing love. Also, we're going to get a visitation soon from that other side. Okay, now we had a teaching about that last week. You know what people are going to say about them? No, you got to show them love. God loves everybody when God only came to redeem man. Okay, so, go ahead, sorry. Doesn't um, it say somewhere that um, love is like saying the truth? 
from a friend mm -hmm. versus sweet nothings that the devil will try to give you. Something like that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, in, even in the Bible, Jesus says that what love is defined, and we don't have that same definition, mm -hmm. carnal-minded, mm -hmm. yeah. as what the Bible says. I think most definitely man is perverted, which is actually pure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and then you know what, that whole... And I'm not against love. I mean, leave, you know, the Bible says love your neighbor and love the Lord. You really want to love. I mean, the word for agape is charity, mm -hmm. giving, showing people, you know, mm -hmm. that which is freely given, you know, you give. So the, the thing is, is that a lot of people are just so strung up with love that people are going to be deceived. Because when you hear the things that we say in here, man, that can't be love. He's here talking about somebody. No, I'm making correction because the Lord says Cry aloud, spare not. Isaiah 58 and 1. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgressions. Yeah. Now, if the Lord is telling you to do that, then you do that. Yeah, it's like, um... Uh, uh, it's, oh, no, no, it's cool. Make your point. Oh, it's Let's like, um, in terms of uh, love, you're giving. Mm -hmm. it's, you're supposed to be giving something, but it's it's selfless. It's not for your gain. Exactly. For, uh, you don't have any agendas. It's, mm -hmm. it's like dying. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's like dying. Mm -hmm. So if I got $100 in my pocket or $5 in my pocket and this person needs food, you would give it. Even though you're like, well, this is my last, last mm -hmm. five bucks. And exactly. I need to get to work. Mm -hmm. You would give it. And if, mm -hmm. if Christ tells you to give it, you would give. Exactly. And that feeling of hurt is what, is what you feel. Perfect. You're supposed to give it. Yep. Good. You make a point. Yeah, I mean, if we were actually, if the, if the church and everyone was preaching... Uh, the truth in Jesus Christ, and they were preaching the scripture and what it really says, then, and they weren't doing it in feelings and emotions, because they're using the love as in, you know, it's like a sick romance novel, really. Mm -hmm. And if they weren't preaching it that way, but they, they're, if they were preaching what Jesus Christ really said in the scripture, what love really is, then everything that's being said today, like tonight, it wouldn't catch people off guard. That's right. And you wouldn't you know, be able to mm -hmm. go to work and talk about Jesus Christ, but no, you got to keep your religious beliefs to yourself. Well, that's another thing. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, but they, you got freedom of religion. And that's why when they talk about taking God and pray out of school, see, they, they took out God. Yeah, they took out the God, but they didn't take out their gods. Because, you know, anytime you can have yoga practice in school, you got all this stuff going on. Man, they want a God in school. They just don't want yours. Right. <laughs> I don't want Christ, but I can introduce you guys to some Eastern, you know, philosophy and mysticism. They get you doing all these practices, and then, but no one really knows fully what they're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have understanding. Exactly. Practicing. Exactly. So, you know, judge the fatherless and the widow. That's what we should be doing. Like, you know, looking out for them. 29. Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible, horrible uh, thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the, in the end thereof? So, you know, it brings you to a greater um, level with the Lord. It's one thing to say what a scripture may mean, and you learn that that was kind of part of it or that wasn't really it, but you taught it thinking that that's what it was. That can be corrected. The Lord will even show you your errors and fix them. 
But it's another thing to prophesy falsely doing these things intentionally. That's why the Lord says, you're not scared of me. You know, you're going to stand before me. Don't you think I'm going to come and deal with this? So we always want to be right in our heart, not handling the word of God deceitfully or for gain. We want to be truthful. Isaiah 56. You going to say something, James? No. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's really about following the Lord and doing his will, not for gain, not for the world. All these people teaching falsely, and Jesus is only telling you love the Lord and love your neighbor. You know, he's not telling you to, you know, go out for worldly gain. I'm not saying you can't be a doctor or do anything you want to do in this life. That's fine, but we have a responsibility and a priority to seek God first. No matter where we are, our responsibility is toward the Lord. Okay, this whole world has turned everything around. Isaiah 56 and 9, All ye beasts of the field, come and devour, yea, all ye beasts of the forest. His watchmen are blind. This is Satan's watchmen. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his gain from his quarter. So this is the Lord making it clear that you're going to have a lot of people prophesying falsely and teaching falsely. So when some people would say to you, when you bring the real gospel, well, I don't believe that that's true because my pastor preaches love every single Sunday. Well, this is exactly why, because many of these people are blind. They can't see. They won't tell you about what's coming on in the world. There's nothing wrong with teaching love. But you know that the gospel is not centered around just sweet messages, that we're in a warfare. We need to know our adversary. We need to know what these things are about. We need to learn how to get stronger in Christ to do what the Lord is calling us to do. And if pastors are not teaching this, then you're, you're only being, I don't know, intravenously fed. But you're not getting the meat. You're not really getting what's really necessary. And people are comfortable with this, but there's more you need to know. It's all head knowledge. You know, it's like they'll read the scripture, but it's like you understand what you're reading. Yeah. It's exactly. Like on the surface, people are not. It's like if uh, there's this um, study called the angel effect, mm -hmm. where people believe that because a woman or a man might be beautiful, they're automatically uh, smart. Mm -hmm. Or they're automatically, um, they're, they're rich. Right. But they don't look deep within, you know. Right. Um, so they don't they don't get to know. They don't look deep, so they don't get to see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why we need the Lord because our eyes don't see that deep. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeremiah twelve and verse nine. We'll start there real quick, and then we'll just move on, and we'll conclude this whole thing. And Christina's got to present something too. But, you know, this is the autopsy of a dead church. Whenever there's talk of money, whenever there's talk of the world, whenever there's talk of politics, honestly, because we've got no pony in that race, we may be able to tell people what's going on, you know, and what we can look forward to. But engaged in that? No. We're not over on that side of things. Our place is dealing with the lives and souls of men and obeying our Lord. This system is not ours. All right, Jeremiah 12 and verse 9, My heritage is unto me as a speckled bird, 
The birds round about are against her. Come ye, assemble all the beasts of the field, come to devour. So the Lord is saying, you know, do what needs to be done. Why? Because my heritage is a speckled bird. It's not even what I desire. So he said, beasts of the field, come to devour. Verse 10. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They are trodden by portion underfoot. They have many. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. They have made it desolate, and uh, being desolate, it mourneth unto me. The whole land is made desolate because no man layeth into in layeth uh, it to heart. Remember what we did about the parable of the sower. Some received the word, and others allowed it to be taken away. But a heart change means repentance. You actually knowing. The truth. This struck me so that I'm going to live differently now. Okay, so when some people may say, okay, well, they're talking about a land, they're not talking about a church, then why did God bother to mention a pastor? Does anybody know the reason for that? He spoke of a pastor not doing right, but then he spoke of the land itself being desolate. Because uh, usually isn't a pastor's job to lead. Perfect, because he's a shepherd. Mm -hmm. That is the perfect answer. He's supposed to guide. At one point, the political people will never admit this. They used to hang on what the man in the pulpit was saying. At one point, what he said held some weight because they tried to go against him only to have an uproar, and that's when the pastors were a community. The church was a community. People, oh, no, we're not going for this. You're not marrying no homosexuals in here. And then they, all right, all right, all right, we'll switch it back. So what did the devil do? slowly condition the society to yield to Satan and not to follow the Lord. Well, at one time, the churches, for the majority of the part, were all on one accord with what they believed in mm -hmm. their faith system. And now, it's all confused, and it's like you can't get the same... I mean, I'm not saying that the same preacher should preach the same message, mm -hmm. but you should be able to go to one church and have the same belief system in Christ. You should be able to go to another church, and you should have... One mind, one spirit, one yeah. baptism, yeah. one God. That's right. One word. Verse 12. The spoilers are come upon all high places through the wilderness. The spoilers. Now, let that sink in because they're everywhere. The spoilers um, are come upon all high places through the wilderness for the sword of the Lord shall devour from one end of the land even to the other end of the land. No flesh shall, shall have peace. So you let the enemy in, and there is war. Verse 13, They have sown wheat, but shall reap thorns. They have put themselves to pain, but shall not profit. And they shall be ashamed of your revenues because of the fierce anger of the Lord. So when the Lord is through with the place, it goes desolate. A lot of what you have, you know, what you call your abundance or your daily sustenance, you start to see it slim pickings. Why? This is what's happening to America. This is why the economy is falling apart. Well, it's also orchestrated, but the Lord's hand, they wouldn't be able to do this if the Lord's hand was on this country. Okay, so that, that's what's going on. Verse 14, thus saith the Lord against all my evil neighbors that touch of the inheritance which I have caused my people Israel to inherit. Behold, I will pluck them out of their hand and pluck out the house of Judah from among them. And it shall come to pass after that, 
I have plucked them out. I will return and have compassion on them and will bring them again, every man to his heritage and every man to his land. Now, this is speaking of what the Lord will do. But remember, the wheat and the tares grow up together. Right. You know, I know you were thinking that. Yeah, I, was, right? I was yeah. just thinking that yeah. in, uh, Lot, because Lot was among that uh, situation. Mm -hmm. uh, that's right. And see, I heard his thoughts. I'm not even kidding. While I'm sitting here reading, I heard what James was thinking. But it says to every man, verse 16, And it shall come to pass, if they will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear by my name, the Lord liveth as they taught by my people, I mean, they taught my people to swear by Baal. Then shall they be built in the midst of my people, but if they will not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, saith the Lord. So remember, the Lord said, we are the light and salt of the earth. And if the, if the salt loses its savior, savor, it is good for nothing but to be trodden under by the foot of men. Uh, Hosea 13. So, you know, we need to yield to the Lord and do what he says. But... It yeah. also brings me to think about uh, how it talks to, um, what was it, uh, just, I just had the scripture in my head. Uh, was it something Jesus said? Yeah, it was in Malachi. Oh, okay. It was in Malachi where it says, and it was basically a connection mm -hmm. with everything what you're saying. It says, a son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then, if I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? So it connects with this. Oh, yeah, totally, man, yeah. What is that, Malachi what? Um, that's not first chapter of Malachi, uh, verse 6. Okay. No, yeah, that is right on point. Hosea what? Hosea 13. 13. Yeah. Okay, you good? All right. So it says, uh, when uh, this is um, 13 and 1. When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel, but when he offended in Baal, he died. And now they send more and more and have made them molten images of their silver uh, and idols according to their own understanding. All of it, the works of the craftsmen, they say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Uh, therefore, they shall be as a mourning as a morning cloud, and as the early dew that passeth away, as a chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor, and as of the smoke out of the chimney. Now this also brings some understanding because they mention idols here, and then they mention that they'll be moved like the morning cloud, and the dew passeth away. So this even goes with Ephesians um, 4, I believe, where it says that we would be perfect in Christ, and not be blown around by every wind of doctrine. Because people get moved. They don't know what they believe. They hear something from one and it sounds good. And then they run over here and then they're in there. When you're all over the place like that, then you're not matured in Christ. Because when you're matured in Christ, he is the focus and everything else stems from that. Which means if you hear someone's wise philosophy on what they say, you're like, all right, well, let me see if it matches with the scriptures. That's what it should be, you know, everything with the word of God. Because if something is outside of it, they can lead you all over the place. Like, wait a minute, before you finish, that was a great speech you said, sir, but um, 
I can't relate this anywhere to the Word of God. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah. you know, it's it's not Scripture. Uh, yeah. It's like the, the Scripture in Proverbs, how it says, He who has no, no rule over his own spirit, mm -hmm. it's like you will allow anything to take your spirit. That's anywhere. right. A city without walls. That's right. Um, verse 4. Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. Who do you think this is? Jesus Christ. Exactly. Verse um, 5. I did know thee in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. According to their pasture, so were they filled with, I mean, they were filled. They were filled, and their heart was exalted. Therefore have they uh, forgotten me. Therefore I will be unto them as a lion and, I mean, as a leopard, by the way, I will observe them. And now notice the animals that are mentioned here. I will meet them as a bear that is uh, bereaved of her whelps and will rend the, uh, what is that, coal? Coal. Coal. I just didn't know if that was a C because the way it looks here. Oh. Rend the call of their heart, and there will I uh, devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. Now notice, you had the bear, the lion, and the leopard here mentioned. Now, if this is Hosea, you know, this is before they were taken into captivity. Remember who took them over eventually because they did not listen to the Lord. Babylon, Persia, you know, Greece, and then Rome. Was that um, also like the gold? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. So look at what he said because they would not yield to him. You know, he brought a drought in the land and he observed them. Okay, uh, wild beast shall tear them. Now notice after the lion, it said the wild beast. Now remember when you get to Revelation thirteen, seventeen, and eighteen, uh -huh. the harlot rides the beast. Okay, and that's the. I mean, this whole thing is in line. Verse nine, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. But in me is thine help. I will be thy king where is any uh, other man may save thee uh, in all thy cities and thy judges of whom thou sayest, give me a king and princes. See, this is the world. I gave thee a king in mine anger and took him away in my wrath. So remember when the, the um, kingdom split, they wanted a king. So God said, all right, you give kings. But he was angry because... He wanted to be over all. You know, he had given them a king. He himself is king, you know, over all. But they needed man the same way you got society today. You mentioned Jesus. No, we just got to get the right man in office. You got the church saying this when Christ is the head over all. And you'll even have some people, I've had this happen to me, when you say that, you know, the political system doesn't matter. And they'll say, well, what about the fact that they had kings in the Old Testament? You know, those kings was, should, right. were to yield said, to the Lord. That right. wasn't God's desire. That was man's desire. They were never mm -hmm. supposed to have kings because there again you have someone in the way of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You have mm -hmm. a man. Right? Mm -hmm. And those, those kings ended up being corrupted. I mean, they corrupted Egypt, I mean Egypt, Israel, all the way down the line. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, and exactly. Even the good kings eventually did some bad things. So it's like... It's rare. I think David, even though he messed up at first, David was probably the most loyal king that, that Israel had, yeah. you know, or, or Judah. And that goes to show you that even he messed up where you need God. Mm -hmm. 
And see, this is where these pastors fall because you're not supposed to be God over any inheritance, over God's inheritance. You're not supposed to be any Lord. A, a, a pastor is supposed to be a servant. What can I do for you? What can I do to build the body of Christ? But instead, they're sitting up in their high chairs demanding. So that's that doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which the Lord hates, which he spoke about in um, Revelation. Revelation, yeah. right, the um, seven churches. You know, because laity means conqueror over the people. You know, doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Nico means conqueror. Laity means the common folk. All right. Um, verse 12. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is hid. The sorrows of a travailing woman shall come upon him. He is an unwise son, for he should not stay long in the place of the breaking forth of children. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will, now look at that, from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from thine eyes. I mean, from mine eyes. Uh, though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall um, shall come. Uh, the wind of the of the Lord shall come shall come up from the wilderness, and his spring shall become dry, and his fountain shall be dried up. He shall spoil the treasure of all pleasant vessels. Samaria shall become desolate. For she hath rebelled against her God. Uh, they shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed to pieces. And their women shall be ripped up. I mean, this is what they were talking about will come eventually to Israel. And I hate to say it, this is coming to America. Any nation that has forsaken their God, you best believe he'll have his, he'll have his hands on the remnant. But what he's not going to do is tolerate, you know worshiping other gods and forsaking him because god is like you don't want part of me then you don't want any of me in the deal uh john uh two he's bringing this thing around we're almost done and then christina or something start at verse 12. Alright. St. John chapter 2 and verse 12 and it says, After this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of uh, money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple uh, and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. Now, this is Jesus that did this, okay? Because some people think that Jesus is not, you know, he wouldn't dare. Hey, this is our Lord of glory, made a scourge and beat butts out of the temple and turned over tables. Verse 16, and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house 
and house of merchandise. And um, his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. So Jesus is saying, the zeal of my father's house has eaten me up. There's another scripture I want to go to, too. Um, let's go to Matthew 21. I think it tells a more in-depth uh, part of this. So you see people making merchandise in the temple. Yeah, I mean, correction can't just be like the, the sweet part, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. There's correction in that, I guess, uh, to be uh, more, I guess, straightforward. There's correction in the butt whooping. Mm -hmm. you know, like so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's the rod of correction, you know, and that was, that was love. Yes. Because he's yeah, telling right. them, right, that you don't, you know. It's just like when you read in Psalm 73 about how uh, Asaph had kind of gotten jealous over what the people had until the Lord took him into the temple and showed him that they may have all these earthly riches, but they're in this destruction. Your riches are in heaven. So right. don't worry about what you have here on earth. I take care of your every need. Make sure your affections are set on things that are higher, not of this earth. And if we're reproved by God, if we're rebuked, if we are chastened by him, that means that he loves us and he still wants to have a relationship with us. That's right. Exactly. So this uh, um, verse 12, it'll talk about Matthew 21 and 12, that Jesus went to the temple of God uh, and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Now, I believe this, you know, this is what's going, this is what is going on today in the church. But if you look at verse 14, this is what should be going on. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfect, perfected praise? That's in um, Psalm 8. And uh, he said, and he left them and went out of the city in Bethany and he lodged there. So this is Jesus doing the work. The work of his father, laying hands on the sick, healing people, doing the things. The church is supposed to be a house for the broken. It is not a place where people can just do what they want. And, you know, their vain oblations, their vain offerings, just singing solos in there, looking great and sanitized. The church is supposed to have a strong presence of the Lord and every need is met there. The true church is supposed to put the psychologists, the hospitals out of business, all institutions that have nothing to do with the God, because all those institutions will do is turn you away from your faith. I'm sorry, man. We can't heal you. Sorry. You got HIV. I'm sorry, sir. You may never see again. Oh, I'm sorry. You got cancer. And if we don't burn up the body and the cancer, you may not survive. So all they do is, is try and take away your faith. But if you trust in the Lord and you believe in the power of the Lord, man, that's what gets things done. But look how far removed we are from this. Look at how we'll listen to a doctor and, and then contemplate suicide because we got bad news. The church of God is supposed to believe God. Seek the power of God. Know that your God is real. This is what it's all about. This is what we're lacking. This is what is necessary.
Second Peter, I mean, not Second Peter, Second Timothy chapter 4. I have no idea what time it is. Second Timothy chapter four. You there, Jay? You all right, man? Yeah, I'm feeling well all of a sudden. this and then give Christina her uh, two minutes 2nd <laughs> right. Timothy chapter 4 I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead and at his appearing and uh, his kingdom preach the word be instant in season and out of season rebuke exhort reprove rebuke and exhort with long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. This is happening everywhere. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. So this is Paul dying in prison. So don't tell me about love and sweet messages and all this other stuff going on when you got an apostle of God that gave it, laid it all on the line to obey God and do that. That's love. The fact that he loved every soul that he tried to get in touch with to bring to the truth so that, you know, his work wouldn't be in vain. These guys lived to the fullest. Uh, verse 7. I have fought the good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love uh, his appearing. Do thy diligence, and come shortly unto me, for demons have forsaken me, having loved this present evil, I mean this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens, and Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Now, how we get the Lord, um, I do have to give a quick remedy before we stop. We know in Second Peter, they talk about that people would make merchandise of you. You know, um, read it in your spare time, Second Peter chapter 2, the whole chapter. We've gone over that, but I do want to go one other place, and then we'll close. But it's Philippians 3. But you see, you have to be born into the church. You cannot join the church. That is the biggest mistake. Born into the church. Here's the remedy right here for you. And then we'll conclude. It says, this is uh, Philippians 3 and verse 1. So it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, is not grievous but uh, for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which uh, worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus to have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. 
Verse 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man may think that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh I more. So he's saying if you want the flesh and you think that you got something to hang on to, man, check out my resume. This is Paul. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel to the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of Hebrews and touching the law and touching as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, uh, which is the which is in the law, blameless. So he's saying, I've done it all. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. What, what he gained in Christ, you can throw all that junk away. That's what he's saying. Yea, doubtless I count all things, but, but a loss of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, uh, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. So this is Paul forsaking the world and accepting Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So here he is knocking down the law because the Lord tells you about your righteousness. He's seeking the righteousness of God through faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as much, I mean, not as though I have already attained, neither were already perfect. So he's saying, I'm not even there yet, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching, for unto, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God uh, in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect um, be thus minded, and if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal uh, even this unto us. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So he's saying, be of the same. Verse 17, brethren and followers, I mean, brethren, be followers um, together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross. So, Paul is saying, follow after me as you follow. Now, Paul, what did Paul do that was different than Jesus? Almost nothing. He followed the same walk he did what the Lord said, but look at verse 17. I mean, verse 18. Uh, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross. So while we're sitting here, we would be considered extremists, okay? But there would be people in other churches that would say, man, what that guy is telling you, you don't take all of that, man. Just we all sin, we all make mistakes. 
Don't strive for perfection. Just live your life. It, hey, I go to church too, man. See, people that are patting you on the back telling you you don't need to go that high, you don't need to go that far, you study enough a week, you, you partake in as little as possible, those people are the enemies of the cross. What are they stopping you from doing? Anybody know? What are they trying to... Working for the kingdom, working for following Christ. Totally. Yes. Isn't there also a, a scripture in the, uh, Matthew that talks about, Christ says, um, you have to be... Uh, says you have to be greater than the Pharisees and Sadducees. Oh, Exceed the righteousness of the scribes right. and Pharisees. So it's mm -hmm. saying the same as Paul is like mm -hmm. they're saying like the same. Totally. But also what they're keeping you from doing is dying. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to die. Mm -hmm. Hey man, don't try that hard. It doesn't take all of that. Why? Because they don't want to see you escape. They know once we get into Christ for real and this flesh is crucified, man, ain't no stopping you. You are a son of God. You are a manifested son of God. So what does the world do and the people that are attached to it? Try and pull you in. Like that movie, The, Na the Matrix, when Morpheus said, The Matrix is a system, Neo. And everybody plugged to this system will is, is virtually they're your enemy. They are enemies of us. They will fight against you because they believe wholeheartedly on this system. What is the Lord trying to do? Get us to be born again? But we have to bear our own cross. Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross. So when people that are the enemies of the cross try and stop you, it's because they don't want you to die so Christ can live. That is what we need. That is our way in and, and following the Lord and being a full, a real member of the church of God, being full of the Holy Ghost is dying out to self. So Christina's going to present something, and then we're going to um, conclude with Sarah in prayer. Okay, so um, it's kind of interesting because what I wanted to talk about was, you know, we have Satan's kingdom and we have God's kingdom. And we know that they're in constant war and in this whole spiritual warfare. And what I want to talk about today is, you know, what are some signs, warning signs, um, that you can realize that you're under a spiritual attack? Um, there's certain things for me that I've learned through um, my experiences that have um, the Lord has revealed to me that I'm being attacked by. Um, spiritual things from Satan's um, trying to keep me away from the Word of God. And it's kind of funny, today I forgot my glasses in my car coming in here, and now I'm all doubting myself. Um, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be reading and not know what I'm going to say. And then even like during the study, I felt like I kept feeling, like kept yawning and feeling tired. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not in the spirit or I'm not going to be able to talk. Um, and I had to get those doubts out of me and be realize that this is what Satan wants me to believe. He wants me to believe those lies. So I don't um, push forward the message that the Lord has put upon me to give. And so let's start. One thing I want to start with is let's go to Psalms 42. This Psalm, um, so this is one of my first warning signs I realized. When you're losing your desire and your passion to... Um, Praise the Lord and thirst and learn more of the Word of God. That's a big, huge sign that um, something spiritual is trying to attack you and keep you away from the Lord. So Psalms 42. Oh, I gotta get there too. 
Psalms 42. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? So this is people from Satan's kingdom trying to attack you, make you doubt your God not being there for you. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day or holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou dequitted? Disquitted in me. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of Hermonites, from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep. At the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me and my prayer unto uh, the God of my life. So that psalm is kind of telling me no matter what you're going through, no matter what carnal thoughts come into or any attacks um, that try to keep you from the Lord or anything in your life, you should still praise and sing spiritual psalms and hymns onto the Lord, um, especially when you feel like you don't have a desire um, to study your Bible or to pray. Um, we can get a lack of discipline in these things, but you know, one of the things to get into the kingdom of um, to God's kingdom is you have to obey. And that includes taking time to build your relationship with him every day and to keep fighting all the spiritual attacks that come on you. So even when you, when you feel like you're not thirsting the Lord, you don't want to seek the Lord, a lot of times that's something trying to keep you away from the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, so don't give in. So next I want to go, um, another thing, so go to Daniel 7. So... Another time I know I'm being spiritually attacked is when I feel physical or emotional exhaustion. Well, Derek Prince says that stuff, like about that, when you feel like worn out, beat up. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think a lot of that is, you know, when you are... Um, becoming a vessel fit for the Lord to use, Satan sees that too, and he wants to attack you and keep you from tapping into that vein, into the blood of Jesus Christ, and having Christ grow into you. Um, so he's going to put attacks on you. So you are going to be, I mean, it says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but the spiritual um, principalities and powers. But you're not going to be wrestling, you're not going to be tired with flesh and blood if you don't, if you're not even seeking the Lord. If you're not building a relationship with the Lord, if you don't understand the spiritual side, because you're going to be, you know, a prisoner of war on Satan's side and just being controlled, and you're not in blind to what's going on. So that 
that tiredness, physical, and emotional exhaustion comes from fighting in the spiritual warfare. And it's also the flesh itself that's tired. The spirit mm -hmm. itself is willing, mm -hmm. you know, because, um, mm -hmm. be, because being tired is a trait of man, not of God. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, when she read earlier, deep calleth unto deep, that is correct because if spirit calleth unto spirit. So you see how the flesh has to be subdued mm -hmm. so you and God can take on the fight. That is, yeah. And that's so true because a lot of times when I feel exhausted and I kind of, I talked about the spirit of sloth too previously, um, but when I feel exhausted, if I just get into the word or pray to the Lord, you know, just really give him my heart and my soul, he gives me a rejuvenated energy. Mm -hmm. You know, he strengthens me. Mm -hmm. and when you he, uplift the name mm -hmm. of the Lord, it's right. true. Mm -hmm. It yep. is true. You feel like this, like the times when James and I go outside and we talk, you know, about the Bible or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just like, man, we come back in. I mean, I can't speak for you, but no, I'm just saying you feel like you're ready, mm -hmm. like to just all right, Slowly let's go. Energized, right. it's like yeah. Um, yes. So go to sorry, seven twenty-two, Daniel seven twenty-two. So it might be a page over. Okay. So seven twenty-two. Until the ancient of days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said. The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it into pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another, sh another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. So, I mean, that just kind of goes over a lot of what we were talking about today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the people who are going to endure these tests and tribulations and the saints who are going to be obeying the Lord no matter um, what persecution comes upon them, no matter how wicked this world comes or, um, you know, because we know that Satan's kingdom is not going to be, I mean, it's coming into fully being controlled. Um, and it's not the Lord's kingdom that is, you know, the political system, the government, the world that we're living in. It's not the kingdom of God. But we still have to, um, the saints, people who um, are following Jesus Christ and building Christ in them, still need to be setting their um, eyes on the Lord and don't get distracted and fall into that kingdom. So no matter what, go endure through the tests and tribulations and obey him. Um, so that's kind of what I want to talk about there. And then my last one that, well, kind of two. Um, so have you ever had like, felt like you've been, have like a prayer attack or feel like it's just hard to get into the zone praying 
or just fully feel in tune and connected to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like this comes on a lot, but this is um, a spiritual attack too, and we have to, this is where the obedience come in, where you have to um, stay disciplined and obey the Lord and make sure you are spending time each day to build that relationship with Him because Satan wants to put that attack on you. He wants to keep you from building that offense um, to keep a prayer and building those opportunities to um, for the Lord to reveal stuff to you and to um, talk to you. And when we're not praying, we take those opportunities away from ourselves. We take the opportunities away from the Lord, from helping us pursue what he has destined for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's one of our biggest spiritual weapons against the enemy. Um, so let's go to... Um, and I want to talk a little bit about other things, too. Like, we can get paralyzed by things happening in our life. So pulling um, away from godly relationships and, or things just happening to us, like finances, uh, losing our job, um, you know, someone in our family is sick. These things Satan can put on us, too, to pull us away from our faith. Uh, but we really got to focus on building our armor. And so I want to go to talk about building that armor. Go to Ephesians 6. This is my last thing. I'll get you guys out of there. And then you're shot, right? You get one line and then you're done. I'm just kidding. Nope, I'm going to go all night. Not <laughs> And you have to finish that outside. Uh. <laughs> I'm joking, but no, she's right. I mean, concerning all this stuff. That even when, like, Jake, James, and I, the same way Sarah, Ryan, and I, when we would pray in the morning, man, you would just feel when you come out of that room, oh, yeah. you know, uplifting the Lord's name. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like the, the Spirit is with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sarah, what page is Ephesians 6 on? Uh, but it, it, yeah, it goes in and it goes out. 1768. Sorry. <laughs> it shows you where I'm at right now. It goes in like a, uh, a, uh, I even had a, a connection, like being on one accord mm-hmm. in terms of the... Uh, Faith, you walk like out of that room, yeah. Momentum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Momentum, yeah. There it is again. It's like okay. the 17 and 8 part. Ephesians 6 and, and 11. Okay. So Ephesians 6 and 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, we talked about earlier truth is love and having on the breastplate of righteousness so obeying the lord and the lord i mean if we can confess our sins and repent to him he can clean us of all right uh, unrighteousness um 15 and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith where wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god 18 praying always 
with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, if you notice with that there, like what she mentioned, love was never even mentioned in this. Not to say that love isn't mm -hmm. the anchor behind why the Lord does this, mm -hmm. but you never see the word love here when talking about spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. You know, now, of course, you love the person is why you free them, why you may cast out a devil, why you lay hands on the sick. But when it's mentioned in here, righteousness, you know, um, a lot of people associate righteousness with love. And the Bible here is speaking of righteousness. It's speaking of truth. It's speaking of preparation in the gospel and God's word. So I'm not trying to downplay love, mm -hmm. but what I'm saying is some people put so much emphasis on it when really they're sensual, they're not really speaking love because love is selfless. But other people yeah. are wound it's in their emotions. Yeah. It's attachment. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're wound in their emotions. Sorry. So, no, that's fine. Um, so big thing is just make sure you're rooted in the Lord. Build that foundation. Don't let it be built in sand, but of stone and... Put that um, armor on so you can feed any type of spiritual attacks that are coming at you. Make sure we stay disciplined in prayer and stay disciplined in our relationship with the Lord. Um, and, yeah. All right. And fasting. You know, oh. a lot of the times when you try and fight with things, you want to fast because fasting itself is what... Um, you know, really subdues the flesh so you can obey, so you feel like praying. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, sir. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, and I want to thank you for another day that you've given to us. I want to thank you for all the things that you've done for us, everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord. For you have always taken care of every need and so much more, Lord. You have blessed us beyond measure. Lord, you have never broken a promise with us. You've never left us nor forsaken us. No, ma no matter how many times, Lord, we've walked away from you, how many times, Lord, we've turned our backs on you. Lord, you have stayed your hand upon our life, and it is a supernatural intervention tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, that we are able to fellowship with you, Lord, that we are able to have a relationship with you. Because in today's society, Lord, living right for you is, in this upside-down kingdom is not accepted. But, Lord, we know what the truth is, and the truth is Jesus Christ. The truth is your word, Lord, your gospel. And I'm praying tonight, Lord, that everything that we are doing in our lives, let it make sure that it lines up with the scripture. Lord, let us seek to, to have a desire to have a greater, more intimate relationship with you, Lord, so we can live right in your sight. Lord, if anything that we are doing in our lives tonight does not glorify the name of Jesus, the name above all names, let us come to you, Lord. Let us seek you. Let us come to you in all humility, Lord. Let us fall upon you so we can be broken, Lord, and you can heal us. But, Lord, let us not have you fall upon us, because if that is so, we will be grounded into powder. Lord, and I believe that this nation very soon, because of how it has shaken its fist, that you will be grounded into powder. So, Lord, we have to have our own salvation. Lord, we have to work that out with fear and trembling. We have to be unplugged from this world system, set apart, sanctified, Lord, let us seek to be holy because your word says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So, Lord, let us seek to get to that perfection level where we sin no more. That you can keep us from falling. He that is able to keep us from falling. So, Lord, let us have your Holy Spirit built up in us. Let us have you fully formed in us. Let us not have anything in this life, Lord, 
that keeps us from having a relationship with you, that keeps us, Lord, from seeking your will upon our life. Let us fight our way into the kingdom of heaven. But, Lord, in everything that we do, let it be for your glory, Lord. In everything that we do, Lord, let it be for your will in our lives, Lord, that everything that we do, it will honor the name of Jesus. For you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, there are so many false religions gone out into the world today. Lord, the house of God has been turned into a, thin of a, a den of thieves, Lord. And I'm praying tonight that you will be with each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you would put an outpouring of your Holy Spirit so greatly upon this ministry. Let us have a desire, Lord, to go out and talk to others about you, to know that we take the body of Christ with us whenever we talk to others, Lord. It's not just on the nights that we meet, but, Lord, it has to be formed, and you have to be formed in us, Lord. It has to be a desire in our heart that we want to do these things for your glory, Lord. That's what it has to be about, Lord. It's not about our glory. It's not for our benefit, Lord. And I'm praying that we will want to live a life of prayer and fasting to kill off the flesh, Lord, so we can live in the Spirit, because that is where you are, Lord. You are in the Spirit. And I'm praying tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus, because it's not by our will, Lord, but it's only through the name of Jesus, that all the bondages, Lord, all the chains of religion will be broken. Lord, the chains of whatever is keeping us from doing your will, look, those things will be broken off of our life. Let us seek your will, Lord. Let us seek what you have for us. But let us do it in righteousness, Lord, your righteousness. Let us not do it and hold back, Lord. And I thank you again for everything that you've done for us. I thank you for this ministry, Lord. But let us seek your will in our lives, Lord. Let us seek to have you fully formed in us. That we will go out and preach and teach your gospel with the spirit of discernment. That every situation that you place us in, Lord, let us seek your godly wisdom upon our life. That we can tell others about you. Because that is what this walk is about, Lord. Bringing others into the kingdom of heaven with the time that we have left. Build us up every day, Lord, to bring lost souls to you. Help us to see and understand the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. That we will take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Guide and direct and lead us into your truths and into all truths, Lord. Let all manner of thought and conversation glorify the name of Jesus. Let us sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to be led by your Holy Spirit, Lord, through your scriptures. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.